Hello, and welcome back to Castle Rock Critical. Today, we're going to be continuing our Stephen King retrospective, and this week, it's Misery. Ooh. Ooh, yes, yes. A good one. Yes, be excited. Spoiler warning, straight off the bat, for the film and parts of the book, there is no Emma this week, though. Uh, some say, because of the coarse language that me and the, the boys who I'm with today use, uh, she's gone out into the woods and bought herself a nice patch of land. Make of that what you will, but she has sent me her book notes, and I've combined that with my film notes, yeah? The other boys don't bring notes because they're useless. Talking of the boys, a right pair of cockadoodies, it's John and Gaz. Hello. All right, mate. Settle down with the language, please. Yeah, Let's I not know. start off. Uh, the use of the word cockadoodie in this film, I forgot about it, and it is hilarious. It is excellent. It yeah. is so good. I don't know how who came up with it. I don't know how they thought of it. It's just brilliant. It's brilliant. Mm. Mm. I thought we'd start with a... Uh, what I've been doing with these Stephen King retrospectives is, is starting with Rotten Tomatoes synopsis. Okay, okay? yeah. Uh, so this is what Rotten Tomatoes... And I know you don't like Rotten Tomatoes, John, but this is what they say. Elevated by standout performances from James Kahn and Kathy Bates, this taut and frightening film is one of the best Stephen King adaptations to date. Yes. So... <laughs> <laughs> Let's think about that. Let's think about yeah. that. And, and and for anyone listening who's just listened to our Halloween special, uh, we uh, we reverted to a new scaling system for Halloween, which was the pumpkin system. Now, we are going to revert back to traditional methods and the blueberry rating system is in play. Oh. John, I'm going to come to you first Thank on this God. one. Yep. Could you please explain the blueberry scale and then give me your blooms <clears throat> and, of course, your take on misery? See, it annoys me. Because you've started with me because you think I'm going to be the worst score here. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. So, you know, you are you, the misery mm. that you uh, create. Yeah. Yes. So tie yeah. in there. Yeah. Um, right. So the blueberry system is simple. Uh, it is out of five. Mm. Nothing is ever scored a zero. Correct. Um, but I plan to score one. At some point. It is ha- going to happen. The Predator got a one. That was the closest. Yeah, I had a real think about that. Mm. Um, there can be no half blueberry. Harsh scale. Doesn't make any sense. Harsh but fair. Harsh but fair. Does make sense. Think about it. You're not going to have half a blueberry. It was uh, the same as yesterday, ever Gaz. Said. We couldn't have half a pumpkin. It just didn't make any sense to us. Correct. I've got to say, you can't really have five pumpkins either. Like No, we had ten. going overboard. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> He's not even listening to our podcast. You're part of the I've gang. got to watch the film first. That's yeah, that the is thing. True. You very give good, a spoiler very, warning. Very good point. John, yeah. continue. Thanks. Right. Um, <clears throat> I loved this film. Mm. I don't ever remember it being this good. Any guy that's been in a long-term relationship... Oh, yeah, boy. Uh, <laughs> there are times... Oh, you keep singing, brother. Now, <laughs> okay... <laughs> Um, so there are times where and obviously you know Kathy Kathy Bates Mm. gets all the praise uh, and an Oscar um, for her performance in this film and and she is unbelievable yeah but the faces that James Kahn makes yeah when she just rips him for nothing (laughs) like I looked at that and thought I can remember relationships like that it was brilliant Uh, he is brilliant She's brilliant. Mm. Uh, there's some other dodgy casting, but we won't go into that. I can't quite believe I'm going to say this. 
It survived blueberries. Oh, <laughs> Well yeah. done, mate. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. You're busting yeah. out. You've got nine pumpkin yesterday and a, and a five blueberry today. This All is right. Spoiler warning for Halloween. Spoiler warning for Halloween. <laughs> it's very good. Go watch it and listen to the podcast. Yeah. Uh, Gareth, as a more positive member, you should be giving it a, you can't now a, say a, that. a five as well, if anything. So what's your thoughts? Yeah, this is difficult now. Difficult to top, isn't it? Um, I I'm, let's, let's reverse the roles a little bit today then. Ooh. I will be the negative member of the group. Um... Look, it's it's a movie that uh, I have to recognise is it's really well made. It's a, it's a good film, you know. It's high quality, um, which unfortunately for a lot of Stephen King stuff, we're not we're not talking about. Are we? <laughs> um, what are you so talking has, about? Was, Pet Cemetery is amazing, mate. It's absolutely brilliant. It was, um, and and I'll remind you actually, I gave Cujo a one star, although that oh was my that God. was maybe one on, star. Did you? Well, he doesn't even know the rating system. <laughs> this is embarrassing. I invented it as well. That's the problem. Fucking um, hell. Hasn't listened to our last podcast. He's scoring things out of stars now. He's lost it. I think we'll have to get rid of him. Who is this guy? I'm just, sorry, I'm getting confused with my rival podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'll remind you, I gave I gave Cujo one blueberry. Um, although, to be fair to Cujo, that was mostly the experience of watching it on a plane. Um, terrible. Don't Always do that. Always be fair to the St. Um, Bernards. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> But this is a movie that I personally don't enjoy watching, like as an experience. I yeah. don't love it. It's I can I can see that it's a good film, and um and and the acting is superb, no arguments there. But if there was a if every film was titled with the emotion that it gives you as you watch it, that would be brilliant. <laughs> but Misery is that film. I just it makes me so miserable. Watching it, yeah, and I think it's supposed to. I think it is supposed to for a lot of people. Oh yeah, it's meant to make and you so feel that's fine. claustrophobic. It's meant to make you feel like just, just like there's no escape, there's no way out, which mm. is quite terrifying yeah. in a way. Yeah. yeah, and and you know it achieves that goal. I can't argue against that. Doesn't mean that I enjoy the experience. Yeah. So I am weighing all that up and giving it three blueberries. Fucking hell! I think that's quite low for you, mate. I, <clears> I have to say, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you. Now, a film that this reminded me of, and this is a much later, you know, made film, the one that I'm about to mention, um, is Gone Girl and how mm. sort of psychotic Amazing Amy is in that film was terrifying. Like, it was absolutely terrifying. And I think that Gone Girl has drawn a lot from this film in some ways, like this sort of, you know, Annie Wilkes character. The way the film is shot, like predominantly, especially the way that Annie Wilkes is shot in this film... Uh, all from sort of a low down perspective, like he's on the bed, Ooh. gives uh, yeah, not like that, John. <laughs> gives uh, a lot uh, of pa- like power to her, oh. and she uh, she really feels the frame. And definitely not, like that, definitely not like that. Uh, but no, the way they film it is brilliant. The way they film it is brilliant, and it makes you constantly terrified. And those extreme close ups of her face when she loses her shit and mm. she just goes absolutely crazy, it is terrifying. Like, it, and I was sitting here. Last night watching it, um, and I know you messaged me, John, saying how some of the faces that have been pulled, you were laughing. Yeah. It really cheered me up, this film, I have to say. Like, <laughs> I, some some of the stuff, I was literally laughing out loud on my own in here. Um, and I was recoiling in horror at the same time. And I know you didn't like the supporting <clears throat> cast, John, but I actually really enjoyed the supporting cast. I'm going to give it a five blueberries as well. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. I think this is the... 
best Stephen King adaptation behind The Shining, and I know that The Shining doesn't necessarily strictly stick to the material. So in terms of this being a sort of close adaptation, I think this is pretty good stuff. Yeah. And that's it, guys. Uh, No, no, (laughs) joking. See ya. See ya. We're about to get into the full plot, but before that, a quick advert. Ugh, for what happened last week hello there yes it's our traditional advert section i'm sure you're accustomed to it by this stage and we are asking for your subscriptions your love and dedication and uh just to let you know of a few things that we've got coming up in i don't know the next few weeks to the month so we are continuing our walking dead coverage here at fan critical fan critical is our parent podcast so if you are watching the walking dead just search for Fan Critical on any podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, or TuneIn, and subscribe and listen to our coverage of that. It's quite good this year, so a slight improvement. Not only that, we will be releasing on this channel and on Fan Critical's channel The Haunting of Hill House Ooh. on Netflix. Me and Gareth will be covering that one. Uh, it is an excellent Netflix series, arguably one of their best to date, up there with things like Stranger Things, and that will be a very good podcast and a very good show to talk about. On top of that, we're still continuing our movie coverage. Me and John had just uh, watched Halloween mm. 2018 for Halloween. It is live now on Fan Critical Channel. Uh, it's a great, great reboot of that franchise. And we had a, a blast watching it, to be honest with you. It is brilliant. Uh, we're also going to be doing Overlord in the coming weeks as well. So there's a lot going on here. Uh, and if you could subscribe, that would be amazing. This first year or so has been brilliant for us. We've seen you know, great feedback, great interaction from you guys, and we love it. So leave us a review, subscribe, get in touch with us. That would be amazing. Uh, back to the podcast. He didn't get out of the cock-a-doody car! So I think we should uh, go through the plot. And what I've done, and as is a custom now, is I've scoured the internet for the rough plot line. Mm. And we're going to stop, and we're going to talk about certain parts, yeah. and what you liked, and what you didn't like. So uh, Hold let's... on, when you say you scoured the internet, yeah. you just went to the first page, man. Yeah. So, anyway, famed novelist Paul Sheldon is the author of a successful series of Regency romance novels featuring a character named Misery Chastain. First of all, great name. Mm. See, that's immediately, I'm like, well, I'm not reading that. That sounds shit. I don't think you're the target audience somehow, unless there's something you're not telling us all this time. Um, Wanting to focus on more serious stories, he writes a manuscript for a new novel that he hopes will launch his post-Misery career. Now, he's very excited when he's finished this novel. So set the scene. He's in a cabin, uh, Silver Creek, Colorado. It's very sort of wintry. He's in this lovely log cabin. He's he's popping some, some Prosecco. Pills. I think it's Don Perignon popping some pills, of course. Yeah. Uh, he's got a little cigarette. He's buzzing. He's yeah. buzzing. That he he finishes. is buzzing. Yeah. He's loving it. Don Perignon. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Yes, Don Perignon. That, is, that made me chuckle yeah. uh, later on in the film as well. While travelling from Silver Creek, Colorado to his home in New York City to obviously give the manuscript to his publisher, Paul is caught up in a blizzard and his car goes off the road, rendering him unconscious. So mm. check the weather, everybody. That's my first note. Please look at the weather forecast. <laughs> you know. Also, if it is snowing like that, yeah. stop. It's, you know, pull over. Yeah. Better better late than never. Well, he was very excited, wasn't he? He was very excited about his new book. No. Um, Too excited. And that's why later on it becomes slightly tragic. One of the Mm. scenes actually hurt me more than one of the other scenes, I have to say. As he's lying there, incapacitated, about to die in his uh, totaled car, a nurse named Annie Wilkes finds Paul and brings him to her remote home. Paul regains consciousness and finds himself bedridden with broken legs and a dislocated shoulder. Annie claims to be his 
number one fan. Now th- that was terrifying. Just about, yeah, I'm your number one fan. I was like Jesus, number one fan, number one, number band. one fan, <laughs> nothing at all, <laughs> nothing at all. Simpsons reference there, and talks a lot about him and his novels. So we get this, you know, sort of uneasy opening to her off the bat. But she does seem quite nice. You know, she's healing him back to health. I mean, I would be sceptical of anyone not taking me to a hospital. And I know she's got an excuse for that because of the roads and the phone lines. I'd buy it for a couple of days at least. Um, A couple of days? A couple of days. You too kind, Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Nah, you're out there in, you know, in the Colorado wilderness. Mm. There's a a strong chance that roads are going to be cut off and... Yeah, yeah. A couple of days is fine. Yeah, Fuck that. we're not all cynics like you, John. Well, John would. Uh, you live in the outback, mate. You do. So, that is true. I mean, are there even hospitals in Australia? They're doctors are kangaroos. Yeah, just wear little city jackets. Of, city of five million people. <laughs> so, I'm picturing that now, and it's hilarious. Doctor Rule. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Hops, what's up? <laughs> uh, okay, right. Enough of the. Uh, we love Australia, we really do. Be handy though, you keep your stethoscope in your, your pouch, wouldn't you? Covered in, in mucus. Yeah. That is true, yeah. Unbelievable. It's not yeah. Working. Have you seen the conditions that those Joeys live in? It's horrific. Out of gratitude for Annie saving his life, Paul lets Annie read his new manuscript. Her reading things in this film is obviously very important. Now, yeah. I remembered a couple of scenes uh, from this film. I had watched it a very long time ago, but I remember her losing her temper a lot. Yeah. Would any of our listeners like to be our number one fan? now to enter just email us at fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com and write a short romantic novel Uh, about john because i no, don't write about me it's you isn't it you're definitely going to be the one that gets banged up somewhere if anything yes i mean i could be 100 percent. if they really want to be our number one fans what they need to do is follow us on all of our car journeys yeah just in case we crash yeah um so that they can pull us from the wreckage and nurse us back to health that's how you win the competitions but actually coming back to to misery yeah uh do we think she caused the crash it's an interesting question i (laughs) i'm inclined to think that she might have but because she knew where he was i think if the regardless if the if the crash was going to happen or not I think she would have forced something to happen because he was obviously leaving and she knows that he was leaving after finishing a book. It's her drive, isn't it? Yeah. She obviously moved out there and bought that, maybe that farm even, because she knows that he goes there after every book. (laughs) And I'm serious. Like, so that's how psychotic she is. So it is very interesting. Buy the hotel. I don't know how rich she is, mate. She she was almost incarcerated. I don't know how much money she's got. Whilst feeding him, because he's very, you know, he's very injured. He can't even feed himself. She is angered by the profanity in his new work and spills soup on him. So, yeah. yeah. Well, this is this is the moment, isn't it? I, I think I wrote this down. 17 minutes and 30 seconds. This is when, this is the moment that Paul knows he's fucked. Yeah, this is the moment where he's like, oh, I've what? Not in a good way. What has happened here? Yeah. I mean... Because before this, it was all it was all above board. It was all... She was relatively stable. And then she starts throwing soup everywhere. <laughs> that's, that's a telltale sign. It's not a good sign. Now, soon after, Annie reads the latest Misery novel. Um, and we get a little flashback scene to when paul is talking to his publisher earlier in the film and says you know she's like why are you killing misery it's like you know she is such a good uh, cash cow for us why would you do such a thing and he wants to be respected to have 
you know other bodies of work that he can be critically acclaimed for um you know like our many podcasts for example you know we don't just cover one thing guys correct correct uh so you know obviously annie doesn't know this at this point but that book is coming out imminently she goes and gets it uh she reads the latest misery novel discovers that misery dies at the end of the book whoa, whoa, whoa. spoiler warning for oh, misery. spoiler warning for misery yes sorry <coughs> dies in childbirth she flies into a rage john she flies into absolute rage she's she is fuming I mean, you would be, though, if you're on a number one fan. She's given that book zero blueberries. I mean, but do you know what annoyed me about it? She was like, um, this is the best thing ever. This is the greatest book of all time. This is like the Sistine Chapel. Uh, <laughs> last chapter, I'm going to kill you. You're Like, she goes full on mental. Like, here, I, I swing in like a desk and breaking it in the middle of the night over his head. I was like, Jesus, man, this mm. is definitely when he knows he's fucked, Gareth. This right here. Well, no, I think the soup thing was... <laughs> that was more out of order in a way. But but this is the thing. It's not like... She's not criticising the quality of this book. She's upset because... Because Misery is dead and she loves her so much. Mm. So anyway, she reveals to Paul that nobody knows where he is, right? Because obviously all this time she's been sort of lying saying that the phone lines are down i've been into town i phoned your agent um you know we're just waiting for the roads to clear and an ambulance will come and get you and she locks him in his room right so a <laughs> little bit worrying a little bit worrying can you leave that door open please now as this is all going on now this is a character that you weren't too fond of john i believe but the local sheriff buster <clears throat> who is one of my personal favorite characters is investigating paul's disappearance uh john why don't you like buster mate come on now um and <laughs> no because i i mean buster's a terrible name for i love it he's, he's like a dog well yeah he's not a fucking dog though is he? he's a sheriff he's lovable like a dog um well in a way he's too old mate he's too old to play this character like no no he is i think that's the point yes I think that's the point no, though isn't it that he's it's, too he's old. old i've got to say on the buster thing I do agree with that. His name is Silly. And I don't even think it's his actual name, you know, because he gives that little spiel at the start. And yeah. it's like, well, I'm the I'm the sheriff and the chief of police and the electrician and the yeah. desk maker. Good. Like, yeah, all right, <laughs> get on with it. And then he's like, call me Buster. Everybody does. It's like, right, but what's your actual name? Keith. <laughs> well, let's do that then. Yeah, but he owns a shop, doesn't he? Um, and the shop that he owns is Buster's World of Everything, um, because Buster's obviously he does he does everything. Arrogant. <laughs> um, I just like uh, the the thing that that does it for me. Go back and watch him in the helicopter. Yeah. Genuinely, yeah. It, it, like, forget that he's acting. He's not used to being in a helicopter. Mate. He looks blown away by that. Yeah, like, he, you should be. He's like, is this a real <laughs> thing? What's going on here? Is this now a sci-fi film? <laughs> <laughs> when 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 did we get flying wow, machines? Wow. He's just he's too old to play this character. I understand. I'm not saying that. And again, he's 70 years old mm. when he's playing this guy. He's definitely got false teeth. So for me, it's it, I just looked at him and thought he's no man. But you know what I really liked about it is the fact that you know during the film we're we're stuck with uh, Paul and Annie, and it is you know it's a lot to take in. It's a lot to take in and it's it's very stressful and hilarious at times. But having this little breakaway, these little breakaway scenes of the local sheriff buster trying to 
Try, sheriff Buster. Sheriff Buster. <laughs> trying to. He doesn't. He doesn't catch out sheriffs. No, but what's what's what I like about him is he's got his wife there as his like deputy as well. She's good. And I love the way that they sort of bounce yeah. off each other, and they, they seem like such a sweet couple. Not only that, I kind of get the feeling that this is like his. Not his big break, but I kind of feel like he's coasted through life. It's a small town. There's not much has ever happened. And this case has come up. And he's actually got some good detective skills. Like, he, he, does. he, he you know, he's, his inkling about where the car is in the first place is correct, but he just couldn't see it because of the snow. Mm. Um, Lazy. He, he, you know, he, he does his up. research. He gave up very quickly. He, like, fell in one little pile of snow and went, oh, fuck this, I'm going home. Yeah, I mean, look. Fuck this, I'm 70 years old, he, I'm going over. Yeah, to be fair, he could break a hip. He could be, you know, dead after that little that little traversal down the hill. But Got to go back to selling everything. He reads the books as well, and he's adamant that, you know, after he spots the car in the helicopter. <laughs> he spots the car in the helicopter, so he's doing some good stuff. And I really like his interactions with his deputy. <laughs> I mean, oh, he's, oh, and he's reading the book as well. Fuck <laughs> the, the cut to him just sitting there, just again. He's looking at that book, thinking, "What is this?" He's read all the misery yeah. books, mate, and we all know they're kind of like Pride and Prejudice sort of style books. So mm. he's having a so very good. time. It reminds him of his childhood. I reckon he's. Um, <laughs> I reckon he's also confused by the car when he's in the helicopter. Like, not only is he absolutely buzzing off the fact that he's in the air in some sort of flying machine, but then he looks down and he's like. Is that, or is it's like a deer with wheels on it? He's totally confused. <laughs> oh, good. Well, anyway, horse. it's important to note here that <laughs> it's important to note here that he is looking for him. There is someone still out there looking for him because when they do find the car, they presume that he is dead. So it's game over. <laughs> no one, everyone's given up. So his his out, his, his chances of being rescued are on him and Buster at this point. Mm. And it's important to note that. And there's a very Stephen Kingian thing that happens later on in the film, um, which is kind of amazing and devastating at the same time. So <laughs> as the search for Paul continues, the next morning after Annie has, you know, gone mental about Misery's death, Classic. Annie forces Paul to burn his new manuscript. Now this, for me, was the most terrifying moment of the film. Mm. There is something about that, having to burn something that you've spent, you know maybe even a year or years on um, and there's no copy. I mean, I guess today the example (laughs) would be losing a hard drive today or something, right? Like it is awful. The moment she brought the barbecue out. I imagine you watch that scene thinking, can you imagine if someone deleted all our podcasts? I literally was thinking (laughs) that. I was sitting there thinking, we've got over about 200 hours of content and it will all just be gone. Well, you can rest assured that if I'm ever put in that situation, yeah. no hesitation, delete it all. Delete Len, to be honest. Like, yeah. I've just been thinking stop. about doing that. <laughs> <laughs> just stop putting the fucking gasoline or whatever it was, the yeah. petroleum yeah. on my blanket, which has already been stained by fucking soup. Yeah, soup stained, <laughs> kerosene stained. It is Unbelievable. Ridiculous. Is Can I have a new absolutely blanket, please? Disgusting. Yeah, disgusting. I don't think, like, it's never washed either, is it? And he's sweating in there, he's covered in soup and gasoline. Oh, fuck. And he's probably been dribbling piss on it as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 100%. 100%, you know, and it's some lonely nights in there as well, so... Just, uh, <laughs> Just saying, uh, when he is well enough to get out of bed, uh, she insists, and she does insist, that he writes a new novel titled Misery's Return, in which he brings the character back to life. 
so I was sitting there thinking, I cannot be fucked to do this. Like I was thinking I'd have to write a new novel when I was watching this. I was, I was trying to get in his mindset. Yeah. And I was like, can you imagine the amount of work that's going to be? But it also makes no sense because he's just deleted the last book. Yeah, but the last book's nothing related to misery. Yeah, yeah okay. It's a, it's a break. It's, it's a his thing. breakaway project, something that he's been dying to write. Yeah, that is true. Uh, so it's... misery's return is going to bring misery back from the death. Uh, during <laughs> from the death of childbirth, enduring childbirth, uh, yeah, she yeah. died. So they ha- how is she going to come back from that? Mm. It is a tricky, tricky bind that he finds himself in, isn't it? And he tries to find a shortcut around it, doesn't mm. he? He does. He does try and find a shortcut around it. He says that he is going to write the novel because he's trying his hardest to to fool Annie into believing that he's, you know, happy to stay there and stuff because he doesn't want to die. She's got a gun. Uh, he doesn't want to die. He begins doing <laughs> things like stockpiling his painkillers, uh, which I thought was a very good plan. Mm. And then after they, mm. they, they break the opening of Misery Returns, uh, which I believe says that Misery uh, died because of a bee sting, but it wasn't necessarily death. It was just paralysis. And then she was going to be able to come back. Very good. Very good. Very imaginative. Mm. Um, He's a writer. He is a writer. So we'll let him off. But he tries poisoning Annie during the dinner. um, And that was devastating as well, because he pours all of the like painkiller powder, I'm going to call it, into, (laughs) into the wine. And then she knocks it over. Oh man, I was raging. That was absolutely raging. For he's him. in he's in a good mood as well yeah. at that point. Well, he's like, thinking he, she's about to die. He knows what's about to happen. Yeah. And then that happens and he's still got to pretend that he's in a good mood. That's hard. Like that's that is hard when you have to pretend you're in a good mood yep. when you're actually absolutely fuming. Well, I know that feeling. <laughs> Pretending to be in a good mood. Oh, we've all been there. <laughs> oh yeah, boy. We've John's, all been there. John's there right now. Um, um I to be honest. Like, they're sitting there, they're having a lovely meal. Mm. Just enjoy the meal. Like, it's play the game, loaf, man. It is meatloaf. It's he not said like he he's enjoyed got... it. He didn't. <laughs> She's like, oh, how'd you get this meatloaf to taste so good? Oh, you know, it's, um, I use real tomatoes. I hate tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Sorry, just on this, on this meatloaf as well. Like, I cannot believe Spam never used this as a, an advertising campaign. Oh yes, spam. spam to give it some extra zip. Who knew? I mean, that would also put me off the meatloaf. But that fa- uh, that plan falls by the wayside. Um, but during this time, Paul is very intuitive, and he he's able to create a lockpick. And it's quite funny because when he's trying to lockpick the door, he's like, "I've written about this so many times, and mm. it does work." And he's able to get outside the room and start, you know, gathering a picture of who this Annie Wilkes character is. Uh, he finds a scrapbook. Um, with newspaper clippings about Annie's past. And this was really disturbing. Like, So she's obviously extremely disturbed as a person. Um, killing children, babies. Yeah. That is fucked up. Why? Well, how is she doing that? How is it even related to what she's doing these days, capturing authors and, you know... <laughs> <laughs> How many authors have been there? Have there been before Paul? Who knows? Well, she's not killing babies well, anymore. Well, good. Point. Well, how do you know? It could be both. That like, is she true. She could be killing author babies. Right. I'm just going to go pick you up some new paper. Mm. Um, I'm going to kill some babies on the way there, mm. uh, and then I'll get you your paper and I'll come back. 
Well, we don't know what she's doing in those car journeys, John. Well, yeah, there exactly. You go. Uh, so she's a very disturbed woman. Uh, he discovers, you know, about the deaths and that there's the evidence all against her. Now, Annie, she's a smart little cookie because she figured out that Paul has been wandering the house because one of the little penguins wasn't facing due south when he knocked it off. <laughs> Mental. So lame it's so lame she is so lame um and she goes and she drugs him straight away and i have to say um this next scene was disgusting yeah it is up there is one of the worst things i've seen hobbling guys hobbling <laughs> have you heard of this before yes yeah from because i've seen misery yeah before, yeah probably. i can't think of many worse things when she put that wooden block between his legs i was like what's she gonna do here pulls out the sledgehammer and you physically see his foot yeah, yeah just yeah. go 90 degree just angle fold oh my lord yeah i have to say that was tough to watch uh and mainly because he's just recovered sort of and his legs are starting to heal like mm. not not to the extent that you can that's walk exactly again. it i t- that like i i was thinking about this and i think that's why it's so hard to watch because like obviously it's it's not an easy watch anyway that moment but the fact that he's just been his legs were so mashed up and they've been healing <laughs> for so up. long. Mash up. They've been healing for so long and then they're finally kind of they're nearly there. They're nearly there. And then they just, you just go and bend them back again. Awful. <laughs> Absolutely awful. Yeah, it was. It's like, yeah. it's like if you're, you're out, you're, if you're a footballer or whatever and you, you, you're missing, you're out with a, an injury for a year, you come back and then like, First game back, done the same injury, out for another year. That's what it's like. Yeah. And that, it's just, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And it was more heartbreaking is he's forced to write the rest of that fucking novel that he doesn't even want to do. It's an awful, <laughs> awful, I mean, I can't think of many things worse. Being forced to write and live in an insane person's house. Forced to do a podcast that you don't want to do. Three days in a row, man. <laughs> Jesus. Um, just hobble home. I, literally, I, I feel like I've been hobbled. Um <laughs> <laughs> you're stuck there just literally stuck I'm stuck by this laptop constantly editing I uh, love fan critical and castle rock critical <laughs> <laughs> John just coming in with the sledgehammer again oh not again it's the mic sellotape to your face <laughs> <laughs> oh god so after that horrible you have to go back and do the Game of Thrones podcast <laughs> oh, all the way back um, so after that horrible hobbling experience um, he you know, he basically just gives in, starts writing, writing away. And you see this cool montage, like there's a season start changing and he's writing like chapter 12, chapter 16, chapter 18, chapter 33, whatever. He's just getting through it. He's like, well, I've just got to finish this book. This might be my way out. Yeah. Talking of ways out, local Sheriff Buster has read all the Misery novels and he coincidentally sees Annie Wilkes get into a sort of mm, street argument, I'd say. In you know, in road the, rage, a, a road rage, yes, a road rage, and he's like, "Well, that was a bit weird." Goes in there, <laughs> talks to the local shopkeep, who uh, you know, and I'm amazed. By he's the way. competitor, obviously. Yeah, obviously, um, from Buster's <laughs> Emporium, yeah. and uh, I have to say, this shop is amazing. How I, I, when she when he walks in there, she's been going in there to buy all of the typing paper. Why are they selling typing paper? <laughs> Why have they got three types of typing paper? They shouldn't have anywhere near that much. Yeah. They've barely got because seven this up. this is the other shop that sells everything. We sell everything like, that Buster doesn't. Yeah. Well, no, but he sells everything. <laughs> yeah, but he they... sells everything. 
they sell misery novels and typing paper apparently and he's like wait a minute um that woman uh did she bought anything recently oh yeah just all of the misery novels yeah i'll be like right okay so buster's onto something here and he remembers like who she is goes tracks down the library looks at the image of when she was outside the courthouse after the baby you know murder trial stuff and she quotes that line from the book you know, the only person that can judge me is God himself or yeah. higher power. And yeah. he's like, right, it's definitely her. 100% it's her. Uh, he goes to investigate. Now, who here thought that Buster was going to die? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, this is what happens in this is what happens in Stephen King. 100% novels and yeah. films, isn't it? The the hero, the rescuer is is always sacrificed it's devastating and it's quite so dev- young as well and it's always devastating because during these films and books you sort of get attached to these people and you're like oh they might be important um oh, and, i didn't yeah. and then they literally <laughs> yeah i know you didn't he's too old too old and then man. they literally just get snuffed out like anything's business but as he goes to investigate he get you know paul gets drugged and just literally tossed down tossed down into the basement mm. um tossed off into the basement tossed off into the basement i mean finally some joy uh, well yeah. you know we don't know what's been going on in between scenes john well he's still there for a reason i think yeah he's you know he, he could have left ages ago i heard but he just keeps going back <laughs> Look, if you want me to finish this chapter just come on come on then oh not on the sheets they're already disgusting give me some perspiration yeah <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> He's very sweaty in some scenes, I have to yeah, say. Yeah, Jesus, man. Um, so the sheriff knocks on the door and Annie puts on her best, I'm going to cover up my crime, sort of. And I think she does a quite good job of it as well. I think, mm. you know, she comes across as a bit unhinged, but a lot of the things that she says about writing like novels like him and stuff like that could be believable because she is number one fan. Yeah. Uh, so completely <clears throat> by that. But then Paul wakes from his slumber, makes a noise, and Buster goes in there, uh, opens the door to the stairway, sees Paul, says, Mr. Sheldon? And then it's just like, boom, hey. literally a hole <laughs> through, his, yeah. through his sternum. It yeah. was brutal. Absolutely brutal. Um, R.I.P. Buster. We hardly knew ye. And I really... <laughs> we en- hardly knew I ye. really enjoyed Buster in this film, I have to say. Yeah. I, uh, I think the character well, is fine. Young Prince. Sleep, yeah, sleep well, young Prince. And I'm, you know who I feel for <laughs> in this situation? I feel for the deputy, who is now the sheriff. Yeah. <laughs> so, think, uh, yeah. Think about that. She's she's the sheriff, the chief of police, the head of Buster's... <laughs> and the owner of, of uh, Buster's Emporium. Got, so Got some good news and bad news. <laughs> <laughs> The bad news is you you one and only he's dead yet yeah, yeah his chest exploded. Good news promotion. So you will be competing with the other guy that sells everything. Yeah, very very. He good. has come in with an offer to buy you out. Um, <laughs> imagine that. Imagine if the rest of the film was just the the business duelings between them. <laughs> misery two misery, two misery. hour epic. <laughs> A real slow burner. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Annie at this point is like, fuck, cover's blown. We're going to have to kill each other. So they're full suicide pact, or they're not, but she is. Uh, Paul says, wait, <laughs> I've got like two chapters left. Paul's like, whoa, 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 hold whoa, on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> whoa. Slow down there, Annie. We need to finish this book. Uh, two chapters left, and then misery will live forever. So it's quite an enticing... Forever. It's quite, forever. It's quite an enticing uh, thing for her. Mm. He starts finishing the last two chapters and he knows he's already got a plan in his head. He's grabbed the sort of kerosene from the basement and he knows his post-writing ritual. 
and we know it as well because we saw it at the start of the film. Yeah. So it's a nice tie-in. And he knows that she knows it because she's the number one fan. And yep. she literally knows everything about him. She He can't fool her with anything to do with his actual life. Yeah. So what happens is he concocts a plan to finish the manuscript. And as she comes in bringing the Don Perignon Gareth, which I know you're a big fan <laughs> of, um, the cigarette and a match, he submits her to the same treatment that she did to him which was burning the manuscript. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And burns the, yeah. Man, the re- Misery Returns manuscript mm. right in front of him. Also very disturbing, although it was brilliant. That the way he lifted up the typewriter as she goes mental and bangs <laughs> her over the head with it. Well, it was, he's been practising that as well. He's been practising that special move yeah. for ages. <laughs> yeah. In the, in the <laughs> special move. I was just, I was thinking, the, the Don Perignon thing. Yeah. Right. Um, I... I was wondering what the point of that was, because it's, it's, it seems like an odd, an odd detail to include, like her mispronouncing Don Perignon. Do you reckon it's just like a sign that she has very little human interaction? And yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I think it's just, to, it's just to show the difference between his world and her world. Yeah, um, and also, you know. The fact that when they're having dinner, that she views meatloaf as like a romantic meal. I'm not saying it isn't. I make a very good meatloaf, but I wouldn't necessarily necessarily do it in a Is romantic Is that why you made setting. meatloaf tonight? Because you knew I was coming over. Have you not noticed the candles? Um, <laughs> John, would you like a glass of this red wine? I need to get out of this podcast. Please, someone. <laughs> uh, good. Practice no. lifting your microphone above your head. Yeah. <laughs> I would if it wasn't fucking sellotape to his face. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so as they start rolling around on the floor, and, oh. and this is hilarious, I have to say, I did laugh at this point. Mm. I was enjoying it. Um, but but he's, been, he's been working out, hasn't he? He's been working out with a typewriter. Yeah. So he gives her a good run for, for her money here. And uh, the, the shot where he like sort of trips her and her head bangs on the typewriter, glorious. Mm. Jesus, yeah. Brutal. Yeah. Brutal sort of level I, I mean, of violence. Looked like she's she was done though. Mm, she right? should be, but we're it's the standard done. standard horror trope, Gareth. You know, mm. he starts crawling away, and she jumps right back on him. Yeah, giddy up. You're looking at that, going, she is definitely dead. Hundred percent dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she then... got up and said, "What were we worried about?" <laughs> Uh, Does he punch her in the face with an anvil? Yes, and I'm about to say it's one of my favourite uh, kills of all time. An oh. Acme anvil. It literally is like an Acme pig anvil. Yeah. Uh, and, and I just want to mention. I just, I just want. <laughs> I just want to mention the um, the uh, the pig in this film before we come on to the death. Oh, how dare you! The pig misery is the most gorgeous pig I've ever seen. I love pigs, so I was very happy with that pig. That's so creepy, man! Like. That's all you wanted to mention about the fucking pig. I like you thought it looked cute. Yeah, I like cute pigs. Yeah. Did it have like a little bow or something? I can't remember. It had a little bell. A little bell. <laughs> <laughs> Not like that. <laughs> Not like that. Right, let's get back to the anvil, the Acme anvil, which he just picks up and literally slams in a head. It was like something out of Home Alone. It's yeah. like when it's like when Hank and Marv get Well, hit, ironically, but- this film... Yeah. It uh, came out at the same time as Did the it? original Home Alone. Did it? 1990? Yeah, Correct. No, literally the same week. Wow. Yeah. That is incredible, isn't it? Mm. So you've got two iron sort of jokes. One not a joke, really, because she dies. But you've got two <laughs> two sort of things. I mean, let's face it, in Home Alone, they should die if that iron hits them on the head. Yeah. Definitely. This is the, this is, this is the thing about, like, 
so Home Alone, one of my favourite movies of all time. Yeah. Home Alone 2 is is too violent because there is stuff like they're getting they're getting pummeled with bricks yeah. in the head. From mm. from like four die. stories. Exactly. Like that's definite that's definite death. A hundred percent. And you know, that's one thing that misery has over Home Alone too. Yeah. Realism. Yeah. The bit where Marv steps on a landmine, that's horrendous, man. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> Home Alone three, isn't it? <laughs> oh, don't uh, bring that up. Harry's Fucking in hell. tears. Yeah. What's happened here, man? This has gone way out of hand. Legless bandits. So <laughs> That's what saving saving private Ryan is. Yeah. Bandit. Um, so as Paul lays there on the floor, um, you know, victorious over Annie Wilkes as she lays there. You sound there. really annoyed that he's victorious. I'm not I'm not. I'm I was actually Fuming. I was actually ecstatic at this point. John must be absolutely livid at this point. I can't believe you've given. No, but did it have a specific date? I don't remember. Yeah, John doesn't like. And anyone listening for the first time uh, during our Castle Rock coverage, John hated timestamps on any sort of scene. Um, so eighteen months later would have enraged him. Um, but eighteen months later, Paul, uh, now walking with a cane, at least he's walking, so that's good. Yeah. Meets his agent, who we saw earlier, Marcia, in a restaurant in New York City. The two discuss the first non-misery novel, and Marcia's like telling him, like, you know, it's positive early bars, critical acclaim, everything that he's always wanted. Um, he says he doesn't care, but he obviously does. Everyone does. And, <laughs> let's, you know, we love our five Blueberry reviews, so send them in. Yeah. And um, So once we get one, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll tell you about we'll it. We'll tell you about it. Um, and the thing is, he says that he sees Annie Wilkes all the time and that th- that experience that happened to him is maybe the most important thing that's ever happened to him in his life and it and spurred yeah. him on in some ways. Mm. And that shot of Annie Wilkes... Uh, the vision of Annie Wilkes walking down with the tray of food mm. is terrifying. Yeah. Really terrifying. Yeah, but he's not scared enough. But, you know, look, James Caan, great actor, not not disputing that. His best work in this film is when he's in the bed. Let's be honest. <laughs> because oh, yeah. here, he's sitting here having his meal and he's looking at what he sees as is Annie Wilkes and he's just sort of smirking. Mm. He's like, yeah. <laughs> I see her a lot. It's like, well, come on. If if you if you're really having some sort of post traumatic stress related, yeah, which is flashback, what you should be having. He yeah. definitely should be having that. Yeah, pull a more scared face. <laughs> that's that's all I'm saying. Jesus. Well, anyway, uh, the the waitress goes up to him and says uh, she's a num- his number one fan. Yeah, and then he goes, "I'm not tipping you. I'm not tipping you. That's very sweet of you, but I'm not tipping you." And that's the end of the film. Um, <laughs> I loved it. I loved it, John. Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, my favourite one that we've covered so far, obviously when we get to The Shining, that's obviously going to win. Sorry, guys. But um, this well, was... spoiler warning. Are we doing The Shining, know, are we? No, we're not doing The Shining next. Right, we're okay. not doing The Shining for a long time because yeah. everyone's this is, doing The Shining. This is the thing. This is the thing, right? You know, with our, with our Blueberry system, it makes it very easy to make clear comparisons, I think. And if you're, if you're looking at... Um, Misery versus The Shining. You can't. You you're now saying that The Shining isn't better than Misery, which I just I can't I can't I can't accept that. I can't accept that you think that. I don't think either of you think that. I just (laughs) well, we're not entitled to our opinions, but that's fair enough. Anyway, Gareth, don't be angry at the system that you invented. So well, again, you've, you've manipulated. You've 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 twisted it, and you know you've ruined it. Now it's. 
ruined. Well, on that note, uh, we've got some book notes for anyone from Emma who couldn't be here this week because she is capturing Walking Dead uh, actors and putting them in her cabin. But uh, she, here's the book thoughts from Emma. Um, Are these actual book notes? I the, mean, this looks like... No, I, I, I wanna call, like the, I'm going to call her out here. But this is like the beginning of a book where it's like... Thank you very much to some guy. And then that, at the end, yeah. I, are these notes? Uh, now, Emma, you've been a stellar uh, book reader <laughs> for this podcast. Stella. Um, you've filled in gaps that I didn't have and Lucy didn't have, which has been amazing. And you've done reading at a very quick level for the podcast, which I really mm. appreciate. And I know you've read Misery because we were talking about it the other day. But she couldn't be here today. Uh, these are her book notes. Okay. Um <laughs> Very Stephen King sequence style by being purely in a monologue from Paul. <laughs> That's verbatim. Is that I mean, it? Is that it? No. Please, please have a full stop. <laughs> I asked for book notes. This is what I'm getting right. Okay, next. Annie is portrayed in a really creepy way. Okay. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. Oh, God. It constantly keeps you on edge. And guessing what's going to happen next. Ooh. <laughs> 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 All right, serious one. A serious one, though. This is a good one. This is a good one. Thanks, Em. The book he's writing during the trauma with Annie is also really interesting. You're almost living in two worlds, and his characters and scenarios bring together reality and imagination. So that is a good point. Mm. That is a good point. The way that we don't... It's the last point. It That's is. It. <laughs> but we don't really get a sense... In the film of the book that he's writing, other than a couple of throwaway lines about yeah. how misery survived and stuff. Yeah. And it would be interesting because he is going kind of insane, right? Mm. And sort of flitting between this imagination world or this, you know, <laughs> imagination land that, <laughs> that he's creating. Sing the song. <laughs> South Park reference. Uh, and also the horrible reality in which he's living. So, yeah, mm. um, I want to say thanks to M for her notes. She did apologise for not being here today. Um, but hey. Is that one of the notes? She, did she have like a word count? Or <laughs> I am really, really, really sorry times two. I mean, earlier, earlier, John took the piss over what Emma's notes were going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Yeah. So there you go, everyone. And now it's time for listener feedback. I'm innocent, Red. Just like everybody else here. The house is burning. Hi, Georgie. I'm afraid I have a tendency to turn up the heat. Red rum! Red rum! It's gone a bit chaotic this week without uh, Lucy and Emma here uh, to ground us, you know, because we get a bit silly when it's just the three of us together. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But but it's time for feedback, which is a very structured section of the podcast. Uh, First up, we've had an email from Marty. And and just so you know, Gareth. Marty. Marty is uh, from Australia. He's from, talking? he's from Australia, mate. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought maybe he was from Back to the Future. But okay. <laughs> also possible. Um, uh, he says this, Good day, Len and crew. So, so we know he's Australian. So we know he's Australian. Weird. That. I came across you guys as part of the Castle Rock season. Being a Stephen King fan from way back, I really enjoyed that show and your podcast analysis and insights added to my overall experience of that show. 
Since the end of Castle Rock, I've continued to follow Fan Critical and I'm enjoying the content you're providing. So thanks very much for that, Mike. It's very nice. Cheers, mate. Thanks for the support. Thanks. I've been reading a lot of Stephen King stuff since the early 80s and have read a lot of his works two or three times. <clears throat> he couldn't get into the Dark Tower series, though. Well, on that note about the Dark Tower series, we've got several members here, uh, John... Uh, Emma and I'm doing a reread um, for the off season and we will hopefully encourage people to read some of the Dark Tower stuff with us and go along with us because I think it will be very fun. Mm. Um, he also said, just thought I'd give you some info regarding the 1989 version of Pet Cemetery, which we obviously covered Ooh. in our last retrospective. It's hilarious. Um, Brilliant. So he says, you may have worked out that I'm a lot older than you guys. And of course, I saw the original Pet Cemetery when it was a hit in the movie screens. The novel is up there as my all, one of my all-time Stephen King favourites. Um, I thought the movie was fine. Looking back now, I do see it a little differently, and I agree with many of the points of, of view that you guys raised in your review. Um, but he is looking forward to the uh, new version next year, as we all are. Now, just to say, uh, me and John viewed Pet Cemetery as a comedy. Yes, correct. It is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, Gareth, if you haven't seen it, I implore you to go watch it. You will have a great I have evening. Seen it. It is very funny. Yes. Funnier than Misery. So Way funnier than Misery. And that's, you know, Misery's got its moments. Hmm. Um, he goes on to say, one of the great things about the original was the appearance of Fred Gwynn as Judd Crandall. Yeah. Sometimes dead bad up. Yeah. Which I very much enjoyed. Breaking out that impression again. It's my best impression. It's your uh, only impression. Yeah. Uh, he also says that back in the 60s, there were two TV series of the same genre, The Addams Family and The Munsters. So yeah. we know both of those. Yeah. Um, but I didn't realise that Fred Gwynn was Herman Munster. Yeah. Yeah, I knew that. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So he's yeah. let us know that Fred Gwynn was Herman Munster. Um, so, Gaz, did you know that? Um, no, I hadn't I hadn't connected those dots. And that yeah, is weird dance. when you think Marty. about it. Because we know the Munsters. Um, not obviously, we don't watch like episode by episode, but we used to. You know, I've seen quite a few I've probably seen Monsters, quite a few. Yeah. Um, and now putting him to that is quite funny, isn't it? I think it? it's probably the first time I saw him in colour when, uh, when, yes. when I had to rewatch it. Yeah. I, can't, like, I looked at him and I was like... I definitely know his face. Um, so obviously he's less grey than he used to be. Mm. <laughs> mm. He looks really younger now. Uh, also, just to say, Gareth, <laughs> that um, Marty is in uh, Melbourne as well. So it's Melbourne love all round. Oh, no way. Melbourne. Great city. It is a good city, though. It is a good city so, indeed. Well done, Marty. It is a good city indeed. And we're sending much love to our Australian listeners other than Gareth, because he doesn't listen to our podcast. Um, Mike has let us know his thoughts on Misery. So he's uh, he's done his homework. Everyone do your homework, watch the shows and films that we tell you to. Mm. Um, he said, watched Misery last we'll night. ask you to, ask you to. We don't tell don't tell anyone to do I anything. tell you to do that's... things and you never do them. So anyway. <laughs> we'll ask him. That's because you should ask. Very good. <laughs> Be polite. Good, good point. Uh, watched Misery last night, really enjoyed it. I hadn't see, uh, had seen it years ago, but apart from the hobbling, didn't remember much of it. It holds up really well. Um, considering how old it is. Great acting from both Bates and Khan. Good pacing too. The story unfolded at a pace that was just fast enough to allow the suspense to build, but slow enough to keep you wondering what was next. And unlike while watching Cujo and Pet Cemetery, I only laughed once during the scene where Paul and Annie were rolling around during the big fight. Whoa. Something about that was just comical to me. And I did say to you guys that also yeah. made me laugh. Yeah. Okay, enough trolling around on that. Facebook. Get back to podcasting, you bunch of oh, cockadoodies. Wow. I thought he was a nice guy, but clearly not. Um, unbelievable. I think all of that's fair, right? And this is this is what I was trying to say at the start. From a technical perspective and, you know, a, a narrative perspective, it is really good. It's, it's a good film. Mm. It's just that 
I don't enjoy the experience. It's too, it's too intense. I guess I don't yeah. know. Like, and, it and just, that's the thing. It makes me feel uncomfortable. And, yeah. that, and that's the thing. Some films aren't meant to be enjoyable. You know, films like Twelve mm. Years a Slave. You're not meant to go. Oh, can't wait to watch that film again. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, some, we don't watch films to find enjoyment from them all the time. We watch some films to no. see a tragic story, and we watch others to scare us, like yeah. some horror films. Like, there's just a time and a place for everything, and it depends mm. what mind space you're in when you watch it. Obviously, Gareth, you weren't in the right sort of headspace when you watched it, and that's fine. But it could have been different if you were up for that sort of thing, and, and you were in that sort of emotional state that that needed you know a film like misery yeah you know so it's very interesting i love films and tv for that yeah let's get the beers in yeah we're gonna watch out 12 years of slave again <laughs> yeah. Jesus. all right lads come on let's go and watch another kathy bates movie <laughs> bring the pringles oh good so you, you are coming <laughs> over on saturday to watch 12 years of slave right yeah yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah good good pringles yeah. are the uh snack of the lad <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and that's it for this week, guys. Um, I have to say, Misery was extremely fun. Uh, arg- <laughs> the, the irony. The irony. <laughs> arguably the greatest adaptation that we've seen so far. Not arguably, it is the greatest adaptation we've seen so far. Pretty um, easy, yeah. And now just to announce what we're going to be covering in two weeks' time. Ooh. We are going to be venturing back to the town that we love so. Ooh. Castle Rock itself. We are going to be covering The Dead Zone starring Christopher oh. I thought we were going to do Castle Rock again. <laughs> a 10-hour podcast, ten hour retrospective. retrospective. Uh, no, so we're doing The Dead Zone. Um, now, just a quick FYI, uh, we think it is hilarious. We haven't seen it for a while. I know Emma's read it very recently. Um, mm. I remember, the you know, and I need to rewatch it, but let's just say some of the acting is questionable. Yes. Some of the directing is questionable. Yeah. So it's been nice to sort of have a little wavy... Uh, you know, a wavy experience with these adaptations. Mm. One is good, uh, one is bad, one is hilarious, one is terrifying, and now we're going to hopefully hilarious again. So uh, if you are interested, please do watch that in the next two weeks and read the book if you want. Um, Mm. I'm going to give that one a go as well just to get a bit more information in on, on Castle Rock itself, which I think is very important for the podcast, so that Emma doesn't just have the, you know, to do all the book notes, because clearly... Uh, lots of hard work went into that. Lots so. of hard work went into that, yeah. Uh, so uh, that's it, guys. Uh, <laughs> I mean, those notes were just YouTube comments. I'm calling it. <laughs> Uh, so if you could please leave a review for the show that would be amazing if you could also follow us on our fan critical channel that would be amazing and Castle Rock critical channel we've got loads of content coming up we've got a podcast on the Haunting of Hill House we've got a, a review of Overlord we've just released Halloween we've got The Walking Dead season 9 episode 5 so there's loads of great content coming out and we really would appreciate the subscriptions and views and that's all really for this week I want to say thank you to my uh, fellow cockadoodies uh, John cheers mate and Gareth Gareth, thank the you very small much, cockadoodie, mate. and you're the larger <laughs> cockadoodie. And on that note, he's calling you fat, John. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your number one fan. <laughs>